Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate wickedly smart women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our very special guest, Jessica Mead. Jessica is definitely spunky. She is an accomplished mompreneur, homeschooler, angel investor, and the best-selling author of Firework Human. She is the founder and CEO of Brandlink, a managing partner of Drivonic, and the co-founder of the Epic Companies and Mead Holdings Group. This all has a combined valuation toppling $100 million and a portfolio of angel investments that encompasses more than 20 companies. With offices in California, Washington, Indiana, Arizona, Brazil, the Netherlands, and India, Jessica is a non-traditional wife and mother who runs her business empire pretty much from wherever she chooses. She is seldom seen without her children as she homeschools them full-time, pioneering curriculum that is enviable by both traditional teachers and alternative education experts. She's been featured alongside Richard Branson, Shaquille O'Neal, and in publications like Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Yahoo Finance. And we are so excited to have you with us today on the show. Jessica, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Well, Jessica, I am curious, were you the gal when you were like six or seven or eight years old that had the lemonade stand? Like what did you get started with your entrepreneurial journey very young or was it something that came later in life? You know, that's, you're the first person to ask me that. And, and in reality, that was probably the farthest thing from my mind. I grew up with a single mom and we lived in her car on the beach. We couch surfed, we lived wherever I, I got my relationship skills at a young age and knew how to make friends quick and communicate and, develop that part of, of my mind in my life. But the entrepreneurial, not really, because watching her jump around from job to job and just having an unstable life, I think I was I was real set on finding something I was good at and just kind of nailing that. Mm, yeah, beautiful. So tell us a little bit about that journey. Like, I mean, that's quite the journey that you've taken, Jessica, from moving around in the car to where yeah. you are today. So we'd love to hear the arc of that. Sure. So first, I want to say that my grandmother, she raised me until I was five. And I think a lot of the fundamental parts of me as a human being come from my grandmother, who later had a much larger impact on my life. But my mom came and got me when I was five to start school in Florida, and she worked multiple jobs. And as a child, you don't really think there's anything wrong with it, you know, you get to live on the beach. That's so cool, right? Mm -hmm. And you, you know, you're in the car, you meet new people all the time. They call it couch surfing now, but you know, you live with in people's homes on and off, right? I went to seven elementary schools and then uh, she met my stepfather and we moved to Texas where I went to two junior highs and then started at one high school and then to another. So we constantly had 
the unstable movement in our Mm -hmm. life. We didn't really have a full-time home until I was going into my sophomore year of high school. So I had a very different kind of upbringing. And so when I say I was not going to be an entrepreneur, because when she met my stepdad, they had all these ideas and started all these businesses. And as kids, we would suffer. I'm the oldest of seven. So that kind of also helps you understand that journey as well. And it it just, it wasn't anything I wanted for myself or, or for children or for a husband or for anything. I, I wanted a different kind of life. And mm. so I, I went to college. I, I hit high school doing anything and everything I possibly could. I did FFA. So I raised animals. I did theater program as a thespian. I did the morning talk show. I, I was in Mu Alpha Theta. I was French club for four years. I did, you name it. I tried it because I was like, there's going to be something I'm really good at and I'm going to go to college and I'm going to just nail it. And now I'm going to have this great, steady and stable career. Mm. And my life completely changed right after high school. So that obviously where I am now is is not that steady one one path. Well, you know, in a sense, having that wide variety of experiences and your mom having multiple jobs and all of that actually in some kind of interesting way may have set you up to be able to have so many things going on simultaneously in your life. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely fair. You know, it was, I would say when it was just my mom and I, she had this go-getter mentality. It didn't matter if she had to work three jobs. It didn't matter if we had a shower in the showers at the beach. It didn't matter. It didn't matter to her. We had a good, she mixed a good time in and she was fun and we sang and, and it was different. Our life really changed when she met my stepdad and whole different conversation, a lot of dark and kind of uncomfortable things moved into our life. So Mm. I'll leave it at that. But I did learn to get the most out of situations and the most out of friendships and to make genuine connections with people. And I think it has served me very well throughout my entire life. Mm. I will say as far as networking goes, as far as just with our team, anybody that works for us, our leadership teams, My management style and my leadership style believe in conscious leadership. Mm. I believe it's very important with how you lead. And I think that has served me that that helps shape that. And I I know the value in communication and relationships at a different level. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that is really just something I want to remark on about you I'm in a place where I'm having a direct connection with you, but I I also want our listeners to feel what I'm feeling. You feel very humble to me. For somebody who's got all of these things going on, there's a humility there that actually I feel very relaxed having a conversation with somebody who's, you know. Got a hundred million dollars in assets. I mean, I've managed a hundred million dollars in assets before in part of my life journey as well. And I've been around people who are very wealthy, who are just jerks. And sure, so me it's, too. <laughs> it's it's lovely to, you know, it's just lovely to to be in your presence. So I want to talk now about like what happened when you left high school and like what put you on the trajectory to where you are now? I love explaining this because something I get asked a lot and something that I've written about in articles is, is how I got into entrepreneurship. And honestly, I, I entered into this world 
basically kicking and screaming. Like I just, I can't, I have so much head trash from how I was raised and watching my siblings suffer. I went from high school to college. I did as many dual enrollment classes. I did everything I could. So basically entered college as a sophomore, which was really great for me because I never finished college. I could go back. I, I I have basically a year left, but I, you know, it's one of those things where I've thought about it so many times over the last 20 years and it just, it didn't serve me. And I, I truly believe in do what serves you and your family and, and your lifestyle best. But anyway, so when I went to college, I was also acting around town at little theaters and I met my business partner and my husband We've been in business together for almost 24 years and we've been married for 21. I met him and he had a small publishing company, very, very small. And he needed help. He needed a designer and he needed somebody to, you know, just do basic layout for magazines and stuff like that. So, you know, he kept saying, hey, can you got this spark? You're great with people. Can't you help me? I just need some help. And honestly, like we didn't even have a computer growing up. I knew nothing about design or how to work a computer or anything. So I went to Kinko's FedEx for all us older people. We know what that is <laughs> at night. And I would have the gentlemen up there who were designing rap albums teach me how to design. And once I had confidence that I could do that, I said, okay, I'll help you. And from me helping him that year, he was doing about 65,000 that year. A year later, we were doing over a million dollars together. Ooh, and we realized we had some <laughs> magic together. That's and, the word. And Something we've always functioned on is truth and transparency. And I think if those are your guidelines in business with your employees, with your clients, with whomever you are working with your children, it's hard and it sucks sometimes to be very honest. But if you're real and you come from a good place and you're willing to acknowledge any mistakes and make the corrections mm. without blame, without, you know, all of the negative parts to it, then you have massive success. It just, it finds you, it helps you. It's been a wonderful journey in business with him. And had he not kept asking me, I could very well be a like a theater teacher or a psychologist at this point. And I think all of those things are great. And I would have thrived, but I, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. So, mm. well, one of the things I often ask my guests is, was there a divine intervention? So it sounds like this guy was the divine <laughs> intervention. Yeah, yeah right. I would say that. Absolutely. Change, change the course of your life path. So what I'm hearing though, also, Jessica, is there was something in you that was even from a, you know, a young age in high school doing all the things like you, you could have been, you know, traumatized by your childhood. But what you did was you instead like tried all the things. So <laughs> I'm I'm curious, was there somebody who influenced you, whether it was a teacher, maybe your grandmother, maybe a guidance counselor who said, Jessica, do all the things, try all the things. Or was that an internal motivation for oh, you? Oh, you know, I think you're going to make me a little emotional. Because another question, no one's ever really asked me. So I'm going to tell you, I'm thinking about this. My first thought, and I always go with my first thought, and it would be for the survival of my siblings. Mm. I 
would be in school. I made sure I was at a college not super far away so I could go back on weekends, keep them with me on weekends. You know, Matt would go pick them up. It was rough and being the oldest and moving off was probably one of the hardest things for me to do. Mm. And my goal was to ensure that I could be the right kind of older sister. Often throughout my childhood, I was more of a mom. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things we'd live in a storage unit and, you know, use the little, you know, restroom that only had a sink to bathe. And, you know, like you're eating in there and you're living in the back of your station. There are just things in our childhood that I had no control over, but I knew that if I could change them moving forward, and I could also guarantee that it would never happen for anybody in my family, my, you know, the family I was going to make, that was my goal. And I would definitely say my grandmother. When I moved to Florida, she couldn't find us. This is back in the 80s. So she had a private investigator find us. And once she found us, the deal was summer breaks, Thanksgiving, winter breaks, she would pay to fly me to Wisconsin Mm. and I would be there. So she knew I was safe Mm. and that I'd start school with clothes and supplies and, you know, whatever I needed. And I, so from about eight, five to eight was a little rough, but from about eight on over the summers, when I could, I would go. I became a sister to a baby sister at nine. And that summer, I also became a mother. So Mm. it was a little rough, but, you know, she definitely did. Grandma did her very best. And, And my husband, when my grandma had a stroke, And she kind of moved from child to child and and it was rough to take care of her. She came to us for a holiday and never left. And his viewpoint was, had she not raised me the first five years of my life, Mm. then he probably wouldn't have had me or our children. So we Mm. made the decision to keep her until she passed in full care in our home. Funny thing was I was pregnant with our son at the time and I'm a high, high risk pregnancy. Mm. So he had to do a lot of the, you know, get in the shower and bathe her and take care of her and chain all that kind of stuff. But he did it because. Hell of a husband. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. And Mm. I think you said something to me earlier about being down to earth or uh, humble and stuff like that. And, and my thing is, and what I tried to explain to our kids. I think people meet our kids and say the same thing. They could be entitled. They could be spoiled. They could be all of these things. And I'm not like a hard, mean mom, but we're all human beings. Mm. And I talk to everybody. It doesn't matter if it's the bus. If you look in my book, I credit the bus boy at More Than Waffles in Encino, California for just his conversation and his great presence Mm. because it had an impact on me. And I think if we understand we can find that in people all throughout our lives, then we are better people. We raise better people. We're better leaders. Agreed, Jessica. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Wickedly smart women, we could use your help. If you're enjoying this show and want us to stay on the air, consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends you think might benefit from our content. We want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We are also proud and excited to celebrate that we have now won eight awards with the show, and we're downloading in 104 countries, and we're welcoming downloads from all over the world. want to shout out this week to our listeners. We might as well shout out to our listeners in Seattle, where Jessica is, as well as to our <laughs> listeners in Egypt and Norway. And we will be right back with Jessica Mead. 
the Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition, women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Jessica Mead. Jessica can be found at jessicamead.com, where you can also find out information about her book, Firework Humans. So Jessica, before we went to the break, we were talking about, you know, was there divine intervention in your life? And it sounds like, you know, not only were you, you seem to have this internal compass, in addition to having, you know, your grandmother, your husband, all of these, you know, amazing divine interventions that came into your life, you mm-hmm. seem to have an internal compass. So what I'd love to hear from you is, are there things that you do? Maybe it's in the book, maybe not, I don't know, but <laughs> that you practice that that you want to share with our listeners, either around this idea of conscious leadership, or just around the idea of taking and looking for ways rather than just looking for excuses. Sure. I think that's also a good point is we, I never lead with excuses because they don't serve me and they don't serve the people I'm delivering them to. Mm. I either made a mistake or I didn't, and I can own it. I will own it every day. I'm probably the goofiest person in any room. And that sort of brings relief to a lot of situations. And I think it's important to allow yourself to be that person. Just be true to who you are. I always have been. I don't care if I have makeup on. I don't, if there's something on me, I mean, it doesn't matter. I say something silly. I say a word wrong. I just give myself that grace daily because I think that's extremely important. Something that we've always been very bullish on in our family. And it's also something that kind of drives us as we practice intentional congruence. Everything sort of has a flow with each other. If it doesn't work, then we shed it with companies, with people, with events. It doesn't matter what it is. That's very important to us because we do have a lot of movement in our life. We have a lot of companies. We have goodness. I mean, we have sports, we have travel. I'm a homeschooling mom. We have education. A lot of our education we do while traveling. That's very important to us. We want global citizens in our life. We want to raise you know humans that have an understanding of the world and not just their current surroundings. So I think some of these are my like my fundamentals mm-hmm. of of how I am and how I choose to live. I live a life of intentional design. I know what I want. I allow organic flow and movement in it, but I also, if I feel a certain way about something or something is, is kind of driving my mind and my heart in a direction, then I, I give it a voice. I don't ignore it. 
and it has always done us right. It's always done me right. So mm, beautiful. Well, li- listeners, I want you to hear a few things that I think are really important for me to highlight here. One is this idea of conscious leadership. And if we had more time, I would spend (laughs) even more time on the conscious leadership piece. Oh, yes. I love this idea of intentional congruence. And, you know, what Jessica just said about if it doesn't work, we shed it. And, you know, I think so many people double down on what's not working or they (laughs) hold on to what's not working. Like, what is that? We call that the cost of it's not opportunity cost, but it's like sunk costs. People get yes. attached to sunk costs and then miss the flow of what could create something exponentially better if they weren't so clingy. So do you have like a practice in your in your relationship with your husband or your team where you do assessments on a, like, like how do you assess whether you're in intentional congruence? Sure. So I've been doing this so long. I check in daily with myself on that. And then I check in, Matt and I will check in with each other, if not daily, definitely once or or twice throughout the week and kind of see where we're at. If we both have a, a feeling something's it's causing friction, it's, it doesn't flow right with our family. We are a family first. We do believe and the quality of family life in our businesses, we hire with that in mind. Mm-hmm. I used to do all of the hiring because I'm, I want to know the person who I'm allowing into the business where the clients are trusting me to serve them as well. I want to make sure that the other people on our team, that it's, it's going to be a good fit for everybody. We now use a company that kind of helps us assess you know, each person as we interview, but I take hiring and leadership and culture extremely important. I know for a while it was the big deal. Everybody's talking about business culture and how to do it and how to establish it. And we could talk about that for hours. I could tell you what's wrong with it and what's right, in my opinion. Of course, it's always in my opinion, but we have these meetings in our companies. They're called level 10 meetings. Have you read the book Traction? Are you familiar with it? Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. I read it probably 10 years ago. So we have, for every company, we have those level 10 meetings where we do all the check-ins and, you know, they're the big, the big things and then the little things and the complications. And we go through those and we have those weekly. We have asset managers for all of our companies that we check in. It's a constant communication. So they're responsible. They manage each asset. And then we all, we have an executive team where we all get together. It's investing in people and the right people. Like I, I could tell you, I've got one person, an asset manager over here who could not be the asset manager at this other company. And just knowing, knowing the people on a different kind of, and listening, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of times people, you gotta, you gotta be very careful if people are giving you time or presence and a lot of people don't understand that difference. And and to me, within a few seconds of a conversation, I clearly know where I stand and what kind of relationship I have with somebody and how this relationship is going to go. And it's the same with people. I shed people that are, are not serving us because really we add all these people to our life and we think, oh, well, in long term, I could benefit. But really, what is the long term cost of that? Mm-hmm. And what are you giving up in exchange for that? So there's a lot of little things that we do, but we do check in a lot 
because the communication is key. You have to have the right kind of communication with everybody that you rely on. Mm, beautiful. Well, I'm a big proponent of serpent medicine myself. <laughs> I do a lot of shedding and people sometimes look at me and they're like, what is she doing again? You know, what, what's happening over there? And it's like, yeah, this is this is the, the course that my heart is taking me on. And therefore it may look illogical to the people around me, but that's not my problem. That's not my They're not living your life. That's right. They're not living my life. Well, in the last couple, we've only got a couple minutes left. Jessica, I could spend hours talking to you. Um, Great. (laughs) In the the last couple of minutes that we have left, I'd love to have you talk just a little bit about the whole idea of angel investing. I think that there are women, there's so many women who have really wonderful ideas and you know, either one or two things is going on. Either they don't have a great relationship with money correct, or, <laughs> or they don't have, you know, just the connections and relationships that would allow them to bring those ideas into fruition. So from your kind of putting your angel investor hat on, are there things that you look for in addition to, are they giving me time or presence, right? Because <laughs> we already talked about that. Are there things that you look for that make you feel inspired to say, oh, yeah, I want to back this person? You know, I'm giving away my secrets here, but at the beginning of of any conversation I have when it comes to investing, I know right away when somebody is just trying to sell me or somebody really understands and believes in what they are doing. Now, I'm a big believer that there are some fundamentals when it comes to starting a business. You you have to know your numbers. You have to have an understanding of the numbers. You have to have not a solid business plan, but a decent plan of understanding the direction, what it is, who your consumer is, how to get it to market. Is is it a service? Is it a, a product? Like what that means, if you require a lot of equipment, how to source it, how long. So there's, there's so many things that people just go, you know what, I'm going to start this. And they they just don't have anything. And at the beginning of that conversation, I have to decide how much time I want to invest in this person. And is this it sounds kind of crappy, but is this person worthy of that time? Because I understand the value of my time and how I give it away. And my my kids get it first. Everybody knows that in my life. My kids get it first. And so, you know, I look at that. But women investors in general they're undervalued women that have ideas for business. They just, they look at it a little different, right? There are other parts that they analyze versus a man. And and women are viewed as they're not supposed to be as aggressive and come at you the same way as, as a man should. And so a lot of times they have a hard time raising their hand and asking. So I'm a little more, gracious when it comes to females, because I understand all of the obstacles Mm. that they've already gone through to even ask. So it's, it's hard. And I, I would say it's on a case by case basis. I don't invest in anything that doesn't align with my core values, you know, that I a hundred percent, but there are some really cool businesses that I have invested in and helped and mentored I think that's my favorite part is when people are open because yeah. one, one of the biggest things that we talk about is how we will have a president of a company or a vice president or sales guy. And they only look through one lens and they're in, in 
there are so many ways to look at any investment situation, problem, client, and just I can tell if somebody is open to that. Yeah, beautiful. Being able to see that and understand it. Beautiful. Well, the most important thing I heard there was, ladies, if you're looking for angel investment, you have to step up and ask. And so, yeah, yeah. Jessica, thank courage. you. Courage. <laughs> so, yeah, got to have the courage. So thank you so much for being with me today. We are going to have to close. Listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that in the show notes. You know, send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.